and start with Acts chapter 19, verse 1 and 2. You do have message notes. Uh, I do message notes so that you can take the notes later, study, and uh, take them with you. They're uh, paper, or you can go to the Bible app. I think you can search on the Bible app. There's somewhere in there. I'm not sure exactly how it all works, but Acts 19, 1 and 2. I want to start there. Theme verse. Uh, this passage is at the beginning of the early church. So Jesus has come to this earth, lived a sinless life. He died on a cross, buried. He's been resurrected. Um, he has been seen among other followers and among the people. He ascends into heaven and gives the commission before he ascends, go into all the world, preach the gospel. And it's the great commission. Go baptize them, uh, people. It's, it's, it's what our mission is as a church. And so here you haven't even had a generation pass. Paul is out now moving forward with the mission of God. And he goes into a city. Uh, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul took the road that arrived to Ephesus. And as you read the Gospels and the New Testament, what you have to know specifically is when you see the book of Corinthians or Ephesians, those were cities. Like he's writing to the church at Corinth. He's writing to the church of Ephesus. And so we can read it and say, oh, wow, that was intended. No, no, it was a letter Paul wrote that the, the church fathers recognized as infallible because they, it was inspired by the Holy Spirit and they canonized it, but it was letters. Paul was writing to the church. And so here what we see is he's telling an experience, look, I was out. And what happened, Paul? I found some disciples. I was in a city where we have a church and I was talking to people that were Christ followers. And what I recognized was when I asked a question, what I assumed everybody knew, they didn't know. What was the question? Well, look, have you, have you who? Disciples. Have you received what? The Holy Spirit. When? When you believed. So I'm a believer. And he's asking, have you been endued with power from on high? And they're saying, we didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit. Think about that. A current event takes place that shakes the world that's the day of Pentecost where the disciples come down. They're baptized with the Holy Spirit and power. The Bible says clothed with power. And yet in that generation, in that moment, though that thing very, it shook the foundation of the world. Disciples who loved Jesus, knew Jesus, had never heard about the power that was available to them. And so here we have a response, uh, a responsibility, I believe, as a church. See, you think that it's something now, oh man, just, it's crazy, we're multiple centuries away, and don't know, no, it's common in every generation. There are always people that have no idea that that power is available to them. And so I think there's a couple of reasons. One, they don't know. Number two, they've had a bad experience. They've seen someone who was spirit-filled or charismatic or Pentecostal, which the enemy really, that's a hijack when it's negative because Pentecostal is a day, not a meaning. And so, but the enemy would use that and say, wow, well, man, that Holy Spirit, them tongues, things, that's all, that's so weird. No, no, Holy Spirit's not weird. People are weird. And so they're baptized with the Holy Spirit and now they give the Holy Spirit a bad rap. And so we understand that there is a misrepresentation so that the enemy can keep us powerless and pitiful. And I would even say impotent as a church. We're not able to advance the kingdom of God and build disciples because we're just trying to get to heaven. 
And look at verse three through six in that same chapter. Paul asks, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism? They replied, uh, so they, they replied, John's baptism. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So this is the first baptism, and it's where they experienced salvation. I'm going to keep reading, and I'll explain. When Paul placed his hands on them, so first they received salvation. Paul places his hands on them, and it says the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So let me explain what happened. So for us, we would think, well, they're a disciple, they're a follower of Jesus. How come when right then he, the Holy Spirit's released on them, it's salvation? Well, because remember, up until this point, Jesus hadn't died and been buried and gone to hell to take back the keys to death, hell, and the grave. So now Jesus has ascended. He's come out of the, the depths of hell. He has purchased our victory. His blood has covered our sins. Now real salvation could happen. And so they experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit, but hadn't experienced the baptism. And that's where he just prays right there. So the filling... Baptism of repentance, and then the second, in the same moment, but separate experiences. You with me? Why, why is that? Why would you have two? Why wouldn't it just all kind of become gulap, like just this stuff we just throw in together and just let it all happen? Because God doesn't, well, you like my word? God doesn't want salvation to have anything added to it. It's a standalone experience. Because if it does, then you'll work for salvation instead of receive it as a gift. You understand what we know in society, that's the trap of religion. If I do enough good things, my good things stack up, and then maybe I tip the scale and I step into heaven. And that's not God's system. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, you have been saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God so that no one can boast. Why? It's a standalone. God gives it. It's all by itself. Then the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's a separate experience. And so that's, so, so salvation is for eternity. That's where heaven or hell, the Holy Spirit is for here on this earth. How are you going to live with power or not power? You decide. How many say, man, I want some power. How many know in today's environment, my God, if we ever needed power, we need power. If we ever needed God's more supernatural on this natural, it's today. It's today today. Now, let me explain this too, because it's not just us having power to make it, us having power to go and, you know, get more money and to, and to have people look at us on social media and think how perfect our lives are. The power is to advance God's mission. So when Jesus said, go and tarry, it's because he was saying, I got a mission for you. And that mission, you will not be able to fulfill in your own strength and your own power. So you got to have my power because it's my mission. It's, it's something greater. It's gonna, we're going to see. And, and look at what he says. Signs and wonders will follow. It's like, wow, how through power, power. Okay, God, your power moving in my life. And, and, and I want to show you how we can see this and, and, and give you the first mention of the Holy Spirit. A lot of times when you study a topic, it's very important, especially in the Bible, to go to the place of first mention. So if you read something, where is it first mentioned? 
That'll give us the context and a greater understanding to build a solid foundation and not twist or get God's word out of context. Well, let me show you the place of first mention here in John chapter 20, uh, verse 19 through 23. I'm going to read it real quick. I want to be careful with our time, and so that's why I gave you the notes and all the scriptures. You can go back and read it uh, later. But it says, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. So this is where Jesus has defeated the, the devil, the enemy. The disciples are huddled up in a room. They're afraid. Why? Because they just saw Jesus, who Peter declared was the Messiah, crucified on a cross. And, and the doubt, the unbelief, the frustration, I didn't know it was going to go down like this. Have you ever had somebody warn you about something, and you didn't have the proper perspective, and then you walk through it, and you're like, oh my God, I wasn't prepared. I didn't hear what you were trying to prepare me for. That's where they find themselves because the Jewish leaders were out and they're thinking, if they catch me, I'm going to die just like Jesus. And so they're, they're in a room and look, Jesus breaks in and, and they even had doors locked. And Jesus, he doesn't even go through the door. He just busts through the wall, just comes through and look, he says, peace be with you. I mean, you know if Jesus manifests and I can see him with my natural eyes, I sure hope he tells me peace because uh, I'm going to be, woo, have you, you know, woo. And so here you are, peace be with you. And after this, he said, look, he showed them his hands and his side. He's like, look, it's really me. And Jesus' disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord again. Jesus said, peace. I think it's because they're probably freaking out. Like, oh, peace, peace, peace. Look, look. And he says, look, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So I got a mission, but let's get things in order. And he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, if we're not careful, what we will think is they just received the power of the Holy Spirit through the baptism, but that's not the case. This is salvation. Because again, what's happened is Jesus has now come back and now his blood has paid for the, the, the sins of the world. And now the disciples have to receive that salvation for themselves. It doesn't just happen automatically because they followed him on this earth. Let me tell you, you could go to church, it doesn't mean you're saved. You can do good things in the name of God, but it doesn't mean you've experienced salvation. This is their moment. And I want to show you why. I want to show you how we, we know this, um, that the gospel, we call them the synoptic gospels, and that's because they show a picture, a complete picture. You know, when we read the, the word, you only read from one perspective of the, of the author who's writing that, that message or the story or whatever it is that they're talking about. But I love the Gospels because the Gospel is so rich because it's, it's a 360 view many times of the passages that we read. And let me explain. When Peter or when uh, Luke writes about something, John will typically write about the same event from a different perspective. When Luke the doctor focuses on one thing, you've got John the beloved focusing on another. And so you see a picture. So it, it would be like this. I've got my phone. What do you guys see? It's not a trick question. They're like, it's a trick. It's a black cover that covers my iPhone. Well, ask me what I see. Now, thank you, Sharonda. I see a screen that has words and about 50 people trying to text me right now while I'm preaching. <laughs> and then if I were to ask Danielle or Michelle, what do they see? They would say, well, I see a slim case, but it's real small. Well, my screen is much bigger. There's different perspectives that gives us the full counsel of that 
event or experience. Well, we're going to see that right here in Luke. So Luke is looking at the same event, and he wants to talk about it from his perspective. And I was going to start in verse 36, but let's start in 46 for time's sake. But same thing, because Jesus had already said, peace be with you. He's documenting all the same things that let us know this is the same exact experience. It says, he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead and on the third day and repentance and the forgiveness of sin will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Now, so it's a different perspective because of what he's about to say. What he's about to say is not present tense, it's future tense. It's it's going to happen. It hadn't happened yet, but it's going to happen. Well, how could what we're going to see not have happened when it seems like let me show you. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, future tense. But I want you to stay in the city until you have been clothed. Everybody say clothed. With what? So no wonder the devil wants you to have a misunderstanding about who the Holy Spirit is. Because if he can have you walk in deceit and confusion, he can rob you of your power that God wants to give to you to advance his kingdom. And so we said, look, but stay, don't go. So don't go on mission. How many have been on God's mission, but you hadn't been clothed with power? So I always look, people say, well, I don't even know, like, have I experienced salvation? Because I just feel defeated. Well, let's go back to the first thing. Have you, you, okay, great, you've experienced salvation, but have you been endued with power? Most of the time, it's the power part. Because look, he can't rob your salvation, but he does want to keep you pitiful. You know, that's, that's, that's just the tactic of the enemy. And he says, look, until you have been clothed with power from on high. So we saw previously they received salvation. He breathed on them the Holy Spirit. Now in the same situation documented here by Luke, what he's saying is now there's more. Everybody say there's more. And he's telling them, I want you to go and wait. Go and tarry until you have been clothed with power. So baptism of the Holy Spirit accompanies salvation as a separate experience. It's separate. Two different events. God... Then want salvation to be mixed with, here's a great illustration. Let me explain this to you in a way that I think you, when you grab this, I'm hoping it'll help you. So imagine this bottle represents your life and uh, God's, the Holy Spirit, when you're saved, salvation, he pours the Holy Spirit. He says, be filled with spirit. He breathed on them. That means God's presence. When you are um, born again, you don't get part of God. You get all of God. Like he didn't, you don't, God's not uh, siphoned off in fractions in your life. You got all of God. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. But where people get confused is, well, where does this baptism thing happen? Well, I can be filled with water, and I'm going to say water, but that doesn't mean I'm submerged in water. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So he wants to fill your life with his presence, wants to fill your life with all of God, but the second experience is now that I'm full of God, I need to be submerged and covered by the power of God. So you say, well, what does that mean? Well, that means some, some of you have been trying to fight the devil and, and every demonic principality, but you're not covered. 
with the power of God to advance the kingdom of God. You're full of God, but if we're not careful, then the enemy just you know, knocks you around and you start to doubt what God can do in your life and you, the enemy just wreaks havoc over you because you don't feel qualified. Well, that's right, he does it for pastor, but he'd never do it for me. Yeah, that's them and that's this person. No, 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 no. Sometimes you gotta just evaluate, have I been submerged in the power of God? Now I'm gonna go fight every devil, boom, like he can't even get to me. Sometimes he does, but I'm still covered in power. It's like, man, the power of God, and that's what we want to do. Baptism means to submerge. Clothe, he said, clothe with power. That means we're, we're submerged with the power of God in our life. And there are two basic errors that now I want to move on and address. Um, and, and it's important because some of you, this might be your background, um, and that is... Uh, it happens just like you said. Like I agree with the Bible, but that was just for those disciples in that time at that day. That's what we call cessationists. Those are people that believe God moved like that in the past, but he's not moving like that today. The problem with that is that's not, that's not what God's word says at all. In everything that I've read to you, it doesn't say, hey, this is just for you. No, no, it's a word for all of us. It's an experience God wants all of us to have. Second thing is, and, and this comes from the Pentecostal side, charismatic side, of you'll have people say, well, you're not even saved until you are baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, that's false. They're two separate experiences. You could be totally saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and not be baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. Two totally different experiences, as I've shown you previously. So we've got to make sure that we have a full understanding of that. And then when we take those fallacies, those errors away. Now it's like, okay, I've, I've never had a Christian say, I don't want more power. Anybody, anybody just say, hey, God, I don't want more of your power. Like, it's okay. Give it to them. I don't need it. No, no, never had that. Never had someone uh, say, I don't really want God to do miracles. You know, I don't, you know, they don't have a problem with miracles. Never had someone uh, have a problem with spiritual gifts. Yeah, I get it. God gives grace gifts to people, and, and I get it. The problem now remains is, what do we do with them tongues? You know, it's all the, what, what do we do with that? Untie my bow tie, you know, whatever, Shonda Honda, whatever. You know, all the, come on, somebody, Shonda Honda, Sharonda Honda. There you go, let's try Sharonda Honda, untie my bow tie. Yeah, but you know, you see, so that's where we have the problem. Like, is that real? Because that's pretty weird. And, and I don't understand what all that is. And, and so the problem now becomes the tongue and not the Holy Spirit. Well, listen, we're not asking God for tongues. We're asking God to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that gives, that is shown by the evidence of speaking in tongues. And let me just speak to why uh, this tongue issue should not be an issue. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse Two. It says, and so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom. This is Paul talking, who was the, the, the most brilliant man you could ever imagine living. I mean, he's just brilliant. And yet he's saying, look, I'm not talking from my human wisdom. As I proclaim to you the testimony of God, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise or persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. 
And that's what I pray all the time. You know, I, of course, I work hard on the messages and craft them and try to put in humor and all the different things to make it uh, palatable. Uh, you know, how many know humor lowers our walls? But I have to tell you, my goal is not to make you like me. My goal is to have you receive God's word. And it's not to make you think I'm funny and great and all that. In fact, I've found sometimes when I do the worst, God moves the greatest. You know, and so um, I'm just here to tell you that I, that's my heart with Paul is, God, let your power be revealed. God, let your glory be demonstrated. And then look, let's continue in verse 9. However, as it was written, no, I has seen. Well, let me go back to 6. Go back to 6, Ariana. I, I want hit to hit that passage first. So it says, we do not, or we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Now look at what he says. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Now, when you look at the original word of that word glory, so he said our glory, what that is, is that's the kabod. So what God is, is wanting to do is put the full weight of his kabod, his glory onto our life. Can you imagine great God Almighty, the one who flung the stars into the solar system with a word that created heaven and earth just by his word, says, I want you frail, broken, messed up, dysfunctional people, my people, to feel the full weight of my kabod and my glory. Imagine that. He cares about every, someone here, you're like, God doesn't care about me. No, no, God cares about you. He cares about you so much. He knows the, the number of hairs of head, or the, the number of hairs that are on your head. Like you don't count things unless they matter. And I don't know about you, but the hairs on your head wouldn't matter to me. <laughs> but they matter to God. That's how much he cares about you. That's how much he loves you. And he says, I want you to, to experience the full weight of me. And when you do, it'll change your life. And that's how come it's power. And here's what we realize. And if, if you've you know, experienced salvation and even not, that, man, I don't know if I can handle the full weight of God's power. There's, there's the full weight of his glory. I mean, the full weight of who he is. There is a dilemma. And that dilemma is, is that we have a limited hard drive. Uh, it's the best way to describe it. And I, I heard this illustration from my pastor, Pastor Chris Hodges, who, um, man, when he told it, it just totally made sense to us. So I'm just jacking his illustration and he probably stole it from somebody else, but thought it was brilliant. Limited hard drive. You know, when you have a computer and you want to download stuff and it says, hey, memory is full, you cannot add anything to it. I want you to know as a person, as a human, when God tries to download the mysteries of heaven, I am at capacity. And, and, and someone says, well, you know, I just, I don't understand why God would do that and, and this and how, if that's God, why would he, and, and they start to question God because they don't understand God. I think that's brilliant. If I could understand everything about God, he's not much of a God at all. See, we want him in this nice little neat box. Why does he do what he do, does? I don't know, but that's for him to know. And if he wants to download it to me, then thank God. But I've got to allow God to be greater. I've got to allow his wisdom, which is far beyond mine, to be downloaded supernaturally on this limited 
hard drive. And here's the challenge with it, and I'm going to go back to this because it's so important. If you have to understand everything about God, then maybe you're the God. And I think that's maybe what's happened sometimes. It's humanism wrapped up in Christianity. No, no, there's things you'll never know. In fact, there's a man right now who we've been praying for, been a part of my small group for years, and this church, and uh, me and Jerry Carnes went and visited him yesterday, and he's dying. They've, they've given him weeks to die in, in his bed. Cancer has eaten up his body. We have prayed. We have fasted. We have sought God. We have asked God to heal him. And I stood in front of him yesterday, and I said, Terry, listen, you have fought the good fight. I don't understand. It doesn't make sense, but God loves you. And though you didn't get a miracle in this side, we're still praying for, we're not stopping until there's no longer breath in your lungs. But I want you to cross over knowing that miracle is on its way, whether in this life or stepping into the next life. Do we like it? No. Do we understand it? No. But God does. And so I, I just don't understand all of it, but that's all right. It's okay. What's the solution? Well, God's spirit has to connect with our spirit. And that's the beauty of when we're filled with his spirit. I've got divine on the inside of me. You've got the divine on the inside of you. So though there is a limited hard drive, you've got a connection inside of you that is connected to the God of heaven. And there can be this downloading of the supernatural, but it's got a bypass your soul and your body. This natural flesh is what we call it, the soulish realm, the, the flesh of man. And how does he do it? He does it through language. Does that make sense? That's where tongues come in. Why? Because he's downloading the mystery of heaven. Well, why would it be tongues? Well, have you ever been upset or frustrated or in a tough situation and you want to pray to God and so you can begin to pray like my kids if they're acting up I'm like God fix Caden Lord you better get Raylan great and you better work on Addie and Carson and Lord my God there's a lot of work and you better I know you gave them to me but if you don't fix it I'm gonna give them back to you how many of you ever prayed those prayers? Are you my spouse? God, if you, I know I prayed for this, but I didn't realize what this would entail. You was praying and fasting. Now you got them and you feel stuck and stranded. And all you've been praying is the natural, fix them, fix them. Lord, make them come to church. Well, if you'd stop nagging them and stop pressuring them and try to be their Holy Spirit, they might actually do what God's called them to do. Come on, somebody. So what happens is, God knows I'm the problem. Look, my kids didn't come pre-programmed. I programmed them. And since sin is here present in this earth, there will always be dysfunction in our lives. And so we can complain about it or we can, no, no, God, that's not me. Look, you're perfect. You never make a mistake, but you're making a mistake on this one. I ain't wrong. Well, he's like, just shut your mouth, begin to pray in tongues. So I begin to pray in a heavenly language. What's he doing? He's bypassing this natural because if he told me what I'm praying in the tongues, then I would say, no, I'd argue. You don't even know what he's saying. Come on. How sneaky is that? You praying for persecution. Why? Because churches usually grow in persecution. You pray in tongues, not in natural. You're like, oh Lord, help us. We want unity and all these things. Listen, you know when the churches thrive the most, it's in the greatest adversity and persecution and when they're being martyred and God forbid that happened to us. But don't be surprised as the church if persecution doesn't happen. Don't be surprised we don't end up in jail, people losing their life. Why? Because that is the, the goal of our life is not safety, it's advancement of the 
kingdom of God. It's depopulating hell and populating heaven. And so, but we, we don't want to pray that. People that I love are not going to love me back. And so, but the Holy Spirit just says, you got this. And we're praying in the heavenly language in his mystery. He's bypassing the natural, connecting with the supernatural, and we see God's kingdom advance. Look at Romans 8, 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. What's he doing? He's bypassing. It's like, okay, all right. Holy Spirit, you know, I don't know. Continue reading to verse 10. It says the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We are, what we have received is not the Spirit of this world, but it's the Spirit whom is from God. So I don't have the old worldly spirit in me. Now, man, I've got the spirit of God in me. And so he's, he's telling us this. It says, so that we may understand what God has given freely. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit. Explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words, the person without the spirit does not accept anything that comes from the spirit of God, but considers them foolish and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. So we, we recognize the world won't understand. They may say, well, that's weird. It doesn't make sense. Who was, wasn't there an athlete that prayed in tongues? I think it was the boxer. Oh, MMA fighter or somebody. Did y'all see that? I saw the deal. The MMA fighter um, was giving glory to God, and he just broke out on the mic in the middle of the ring. Bro, y'all haven't seen it? I bet you're going to, don't Google it now, and don't look it up right now, or you'll be in sin. Don't do it. And, and you know, there are a bunch of memes, but I thought, you know what? That brother connected to that. He, that victory went all from God to him. And I just thought that the world, they laugh, but then they also, you know what the world does? They kind of admire that. You know, they, they say, wow, this guy must be for real because he didn't try to hide it as a personal private expression. I was encouraged. I thought, my boy is crazy. Boom, boom, boom. Come on. <laughs> but they know he won because of the Holy Spirit. Um, so they criticize. That's what the world does. It's okay. Look at verse 15, it says, the person with the spirit makes judgment about all things, but such person is not subject to merely human judgments, for who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Well, okay, great, awesome. We're, we're downloading supernatural things because God is downloading them to us, and it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the goal of your heavenly language is for your spirit man to have that fellowship with God. And it leaves the brain out. So we, we don't argue with God. It's just bypassing it. And so we're praying. It's not interfering with us. But your spirit man is receiving that supernatural download from God. Every time, I've never prayed more in the Holy Spirit. Well, not never. That's, those are, I don't, it'd probably be a rare time I've prayed more in the Holy Spirit in the last year, year and a half. I mean, I don't know how to navigate a pandemic. I mean, I don't know about you. I've never experienced a pandemic. I never bought a multi-million dollar building. And I know we got great counsel and wisdom, but I'll tell you, there's been times we've had to make some hard decisions that were the right decision that most people wouldn't have made. And the only way we could do it was I was praying in tongues. God, I don't know what to do here, but God's like, I do. Bypass your mind and let me speak through you the wisdom and the mystery of God. And then what happens is it fills my heart, but I sowed in the supernatural, then I reap 
in the supernatural. That's where, okay, wisdom. Oh, well, and, and so it's, it, it's what's guided us as a church. And look at where God has us in the middle of a pandemic. Someone told me the other day, and he was joking, but I, it's not just me, but he said, only Jim Kyles could buy a building and retrofit it in the middle of a pandemic. And I corrected him and said, no, only God through Jim. And that's where what we want to do in the, the church is not blend in, but stand out. Why? Because then if you are in the position, you're like, no, no, brother, that, thank you, but that's God. That's where the world begins to take notice. They think you're crazy, Jesus freak. I think that term ought to come back. Jesus freak. All, like, call me, label me, whatever. Because here's what I'm concerned about, church. If you were on trial as a Christian right now, would there be enough evidence to convict you? There's a lie that this personal private expression, no, that's from the pit of hell. Jesus died a very public execution, and our faith should not be personal. And pri- well, I'm in politics. Okay, great. But you're not a politician. You're a Christian first. Well, I'm a teacher. I get it. But you're not a teacher. That's not your identity. Your identity is I'm a Christian who gets to teach. And if my faith gets me kicked out of the school, then God has somewhere else for me to be. Well, we got to be real careful. This ain't a day to be all personal and private and undercover. And No, that means we're public. I'm going public with my faith. Now, you have to use wisdom. I'm not saying that. So I get it. But don't buy the lie of the enemy. Anyway, I don't know where that came from. Okay, here we go. We go through just a couple of FAQs, facts, that, that frequently ask questions that I think we need to answer, and then I'm going to pray for you. I want you to get ready. We're going to talk about what we do and, and, and what this moment looks like. So if you've not been baptized or submerged in the power of God, I want you to get ready. I believe God's going to do it. And then if you've never experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit where you experience salvation, we're going to pray for you as well. A couple of questions. Can I be baptized with the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues? Yes. But you can be married and not kiss your wife. Why would you do it? Come on, you can be married and not... Why would you do that? Like, I'd be like, why was that? That's because it's intimacy. Speaking in tongues, that's intimacy. It's like, God, you're sharing with me your mysteries. Things that nobody knows. Isn't that what intimacy is? Nobody knows, but you're sharing, you're fellowshipping with me. So it's not, so you got to get rid of the tongue because it, you're, you're being robbed of the intimacy at that level where God's just, you, it's, it's a beautiful picture. So it's not weird. It's not, it's beautiful. Uh, you're not some wide-eyed fanatic. It's beautiful. It's intimacy. So look, and then uh, the second question, can every believer speak with tongues? Uh, I thought it was a gift. I read that somewhere. Well, that's a great thing. There is the gift of tongues. There's a difference between being baptized with the Holy Spirit and the evidence of, thinking, of speaking in tongues versus the gift of tongues. So, uh, you know, you wouldn't say, well, I don't have the gift of hospitality, so I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to go and do. No, no. Can you be friendly anyway, even though you don't have a gift of hospitality? Absolutely. You, you don't say, well, I don't have the gift of faith, so I'm not operating in faith. No. God said to have faith. So every Christian operates at faith, but there's a gift which goes far beyond and above. I believe buying that building was a gift of faith. I operate in that gift. I can see things and bold, and, but you also, you're cultivating. Anyway, so you can have a gift and still uh, God wants us to function in it, uh, even if you don't have the gift. Does that make sense? I was probably about as clear as mud. <laughs> 
You, God wants you, let me say it like this, you, God wants you to operate in it even though you don't have the gift of it. There you go. Clarity, clarity, clarity. And so, um, and, and then the gift of tongues is where someone speaks out in tongues. And if you ever do that publicly, there ought to be a, a, a translation of it in English. Because a public speaking of tongues is, is an operation of the gift of tongues. There, there should always be an interpre- interpretation of what God is saying. And if that doesn't happen, then you just need to be quiet because you're not operating in the gift. You're just becoming a distraction. And I think we've said distractions are... And it's just not. So that's a whole other subject. Here's the last one. Yes, the gift of tongues are for some. Uh, oh wait, no. Here's another one. I thought uh, that it was somewhere in the Bible that that uh, that love chapter that tongues would pass away. And so when we read that context in uh, in, in Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 13, it, what he says is you can have all of those, but if you have not love. So in other words, don't be a Christian. Filled with the Holy Spirit, you've experienced salvation, then baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, you've been clothed with power, and then go to um, Roadhouse and uh, stiff the, the, the waiter. Oh, but come to church, but you ain't going to tip them. Tipping them is loving them. Come on, somebody. You generously give to people. When you go out and go places, you're nice. Can I have some nice Christians in the house? Can we be patient? So he's saying, look, you can have the whole God thing going on, but if you don't have love, man, it's worth nothing. I don't know, man. Some of the, the, the Christians I've met, I'm like, man, I don't know. Where's that? Anyway, that's a whole... Y'all got me all messed up today. I'm just putting my filter on, God. Uh, Here we go. Now I want to talk quickly. I just, I have a lot and I realize I'm running out of time. And this, I'm at the end right now. We're about to close. I'm going to give you four uh, things you need to do if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Really, that's what it is. I wanted to get you a good foundation, but I want you to have time um, to experience this part. So the first thing is, If we're going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, number one, you've got to remove all barriers. So any theological fallacies, those FAQ, you know, frequently asked questions, anything that you had that was wrong about the Holy Spirit, now what you have to do is you just have to repent. Um, You know, I talked three weeks ago about, you know, really Holy Spirit is not even an accurate translation. It's the English translators trying to translate uh, words that we don't really adequately have. Because the word for the Holy Spirit is breath of God, the wind of God. So it'd be kind of hard to say God the Father, God the Son, and God the wind. God the Holy Spirit, you know, God the breath. And so they decided to use Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost and recognizing that some of those have caused barriers in our life. And so you guys say, God, I repent because I understand I was walking in this direction, but that's not accurate. Repentance is, is just simply saying I was going here... I had wrong information. I made decisions based on that. But pastor has clearly articulated and showed me in your word where I might have had it wrong. So God, I turn from my wrong thinking and I'm moving towards you in right thinking. That's repentance. You remove the barrier. Maybe, maybe you, you did. You, you grew up and you were taught God doesn't move today like he did back then. But that's a fallacy. It's nowhere in the word of God like that. You know why he gave you the Holy Spirit? Sometimes the reason is people, they, they're, they're seeing that it's taken out of context and they're like, well, you know, that God, no, no. It's the same mission that he gave the original church. 
passed on through generations. Listen, you got to know this church, we're not a standalone church. We are standing on the shoulders of the fathers of our faith, the churches that have gone before us, the people that have labored long before we ever showed up on this scene that have given their lives. This is a continual story where we receive a handoff here and we give a handoff there. It is a story that is continually written. Why would God say, write the first part and take away the power? No. The same power it took to start it is the same power it takes to finish it. And the devil's tried to rob a generation of the power that we need. Not because we're building a kingdom of ourselves. Who cares about egos and logos and names? Can we just have God? Now, I know we identify, but don't ever forget we're part of the Big C Church. God's church. And he's given us power. So we remove the barriers. Look at Acts 2.38. Peter said, repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then look what he says right here. This validates what I was just telling you. The promise is for you and your children and for all those who are far off for whom the Lord God will call. Isn't that amazing? It's for you. Right here, right now. Second thing is request the gift of the Holy Spirit. You've got to ask. Look what it says in Luke eleven thirteen. 13. If you then are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven, your Father, give the Holy Spirit, not just automatically, what does he say? You've got to ask. So you've got to ask. If you've never asked, then you've probably never had anything to receive. Why? Because here, here's another fallacy. Sometimes people can think that God possesses you. God is not like a demonic force. Demonic forces possess people against their will. That's why I can only take the power of God to break that demonic force off of a person. If they, if they could break themselves free, I mean, no, they would be free. Nobody wants to be under the control of a demonic spirit that's trying to rob them of their life. God's not like that. God, you have to invite. That's why every day it says, crucify your flesh. Why would he say that? Because I'm inviting God, your will in my life. God didn't force his will on anybody. We get to be a part of it. And so we invite the Holy Spirit to fill us with his power through this experience. We've got to ask. Third thing, you've got to receive him by faith. It takes faith. Look, again, he doesn't just control you and he just starts, and you just start talking. No, no. You ask and then you just receive. A lot of times what I'll say is I'll just, when I'm praying for people, which, uh, anyway, when I'm praying, I just say, hey, just, just say, thank you, Jesus, because I've received it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Whatever you want to say, just thank you. But there will come a point where you'll start hearing syllables or different, you know, sil really syllables is the best way I can describe it. And um, now once that starts to shift, what's happened, you've already been filled. Now you begin to let that language of God operate. And it's at the, the, the biggest challenge is the flip from the natural to supernatural. Once you get it, you, it it's like, oh, I, I understand. But that's the faith part. God, I don't understand. And then you start to release, release the language. And the supernatural just begins to happen. But it takes faith. It takes faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. And then the last thing is you've got to release your prayer language. You actually have to 
say it out loud. I, you know, sometimes I, f- I hear some things, but I don't want to say it. No, you just articulate it. Pray in tongues out loud. You know, I, I pray we do, we're doing 21 days of prayer. And if you hadn't joined us, I want to encourage, it has been so powerful. You know, we do it as a reset. And now we're doing it even more for the building and the harvest. And, but I walk up the thing and I'm not, I'm not yelling and screaming, but better believe I'm praying scripture. And then I'm praying in tongues. And then whatever the Holy Spirit puts in my heart, I begin to articulate it. And I just continue to pray. And, and it's just this back and forth, English tongues, English tongues, English tongues. And what's happening is I'm using my mouth and declaring and speaking both in English and in tongues. But I got to speak it. So there's three types of people here today, right now. You're already baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you to continually stay submerged. Just pray more in tongues now than you ever have. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the second group of people is you're ready. You haven't received it, but you're ready right now. Uh, we're going to create a safe place, a safe environment that we'll pray over you. I'm going to, I'm going to pray over you. We're going to have our ministry team come up here. You're going to stand down here. and I'm, I am going to ask you to come down, though. Um, and you just get to be bold and just say, I want, I want all of God. A lot of people in here have already been baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're celebrating with you. You know, ain't nothing to worry about or image or who cares. I mean, I, I, are you tired of living powerless? That there's got to be this desperation of God. If you, if there's more, I just, I want it. And then that leads me to the third group. Maybe today's your first day here. I want to say welcome. Um, you know, uh, so glad you joined us today. But I did talk about it two other weeks. So go back and watch them. Just wait. If you don't feel good or comfortable, you want more information, just pause. Nobody's going to think anything different of you. Just pause and uh, go back and watch those or jump into Freedom Small Group. Freedom is a 12-week small group where we teach you how to l- uh, live out of the tree of life. And um, then at the end of it, there's a Freedom Conference then we, we, we have some amazing things that happen in the Freedom Conference. But the very last session is my pastor talking a lot about what I talked about today. We put him on video. I do that because I want you to see my pastor and I want him to speak into your life. And people get baptized in the Holy Spirit right then at the end of the Freedom Conference. So it's okay if today is not your day. There are other options. Just don't allow um, yourself to settle where you're at. Go investigate. Can I get an amen?